Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Comes to Boyce, chance to shoot, back on his left foot, left foot shot, and Boyce! Oh, what a brilliant achievement from Boyce! He scored! <laughs> and it's 2 1 odds! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, who have their mojo back, as do the fans these days. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. What a good weekend! What a, what a what a good what a good win! It's a manner of victory more than anything else, because if Hearts hadn't scored late on. They'd currently be sitting in eighth position below Livingston and St Mirren and St Johnston, mm. and just a point ahead of Motherwell in ninth. But yeah, it's it's just a just when you thought all hope had gone, all for one and one for all, and three points too. Indeed, uh, joining us this week as well, uh, a man who appears on your television sets on a view from the terrace, and you might read his, I won't call them ramblings, it's more coherent than that, in The Scotsman, and someone who is probably still recovering from a trip to Turkey last week. Uh, pleased to be joined by Joel Sked. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Yes, it's uh, Turkey and um, subsequent nights out on Saturday and Sunday oh. that weren't overly planned, so yeah, it's, uh, this Monday has been a struggle. Did you behave? <laughs> Did you behave? The reason I ask is because... When Laurie said that Joel's coming on, I said, lovely. He's a lovely, lovely boy. He's the type of boy that you'd be happy to take home to mother. So as long as you behaved, then then great. If you didn't, even better. No, I have ABS, mate. Other than, uh, other than staying up, um, other than not going to bed before my flight back from Istanbul, staying up drinking, uh, that was the that was the only, only misadventure. But, you but it, was worth it. it was worth it. Oh, I imagine it was, and we'll, we'll, we'll get the full lowdown from you shortly. But I think one thing I, I mentioned in the podcast um, recently, because I went to, to Florence as a fan, and uh, for other reasons, it, everyone who listens knows I went to the Celtic game as a fan, and I did say, I was like, I need to just work quite a few games in a row now, because I can't handle that level of um, excitement, which goes with being able to drink before games and being able to just let loose during the match and it, it's you, you probably feel the same sometimes maybe hopefully just do a few games as a reporter and not as a fan I, yes it was the last was like the Celtic game um, when I met yeah, yourself after and then Sunday we just went out for a couple of uh, drinks of mile or half and then ended up in diggers until off, God knows it's closing 
and it was just it's it's how it's how easy things can get out of hand. That's 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 the uh, that's the big thing is just how easy it can uh, just derail. It's that is gif, it? isn't it? The uh, Anchorman gif. <laughs> <laughs> things Boy, that escalate. escalated quickly. That yes. escalated quickly. Yeah. And then on, then on Monday, it's when... the gif of the dog in the, um, in the cafe. <laughs> this is fine. Yes. <laughs> and there's flames all around. Do you think that alcohol makes you braver in that you look at your watch, you're like, yeah, she or he will be fine. And then you take another couple and you get braver, like, it'll be all right. And then PM becomes AM. And then it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Who cares? And then another few beers and you're just like, yeah, whatever. And then you're like, the next again morning, shit. But you don't regret it. You'd rather take that. You'd take that abuse from your <laughs> from your better half, wouldn't you? I mean, I, I don't know the situation about how late you got in, Joel. I've got, I'm pretty well aware how late you got in after the Celtic game, Laurie. And some people just don't forget, do they? It's 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 more my it's more the abuse from my inner monologue on the morning after. Uh, just <laughs> call myself an absolute idiot for um for for, for going beyond what I am it. capable of now. But you know, no, we all do it, and we know we're doing it, but we still do it, and we don't know why we do it, but we do it. That's don't we? The football just the, the football just adds to it though doesn't it i mean if you're out and we didn't even win either game that i went to god imagine if we'd won in florence or we'd beaten celtic i'd probably still be out now probably in a ditch somewhere i'd be like the argentinian trip in 1978 where a lot of scottish people Never didn't come back and and found found love uh, same was estonia 1993 i think it was a few people just stayed over there but that was perhaps so perhaps harder to do in Gor- gorgi and del Rai. On a Sunday night, but each yes. throne that that gives a whole new meaning to the "Don't Come Home Too Soon" song, which um, I always took a different way. But maybe <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's not get onto that. We we won't digress into too many tangents just yet. Uh, we are going to talk about Hearts' European adventure as, as a whole, and we'll get Joel's uh, thoughts because he's been to more of the away games than Mark and myself, and he was at but the he, latest he, one. He, he didn't see them win a single point. That is true. He, no, I, and uh, I was speaking to speaking to a couple of guys in the pub yesterday, and it was I was telling them that even when I got home, I was thinking about European uh, European games I've been to beyond that, and you can add the two Burkakara games. I was in Malta, and then the home <laughs> yeah, game. <laughs> see, oh seen us seen us beat Impenet at home. That was about the only one in about ten European games I've been. To. So that probably would have been so. Since did you did you see us beat Parksh in? 2011 yes yes so so that'll be what in 11 years you've seen hearts win one one game in europe two because infinite as well the home but game did, i but since the park the parks game you've only seen one yes yes sorry yeah uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that's that's okay. that's correct uh, my, <laughs> yeah, my just, brain is my brain is very slow brain is still in istanbul uh, anyway, we'll talk about we'll talk about Hearts in Europe. We'll talk about Istanbul. We'll talk about Hearts against Motherwell, of course, which well could probably have a whole podcast in its in its own right. But we'll try and condense it a little bit, and we'll look ahead to Hearts' uh, trip to Ibrox, uh, which at the time of recording is two nights away, but be a little bit closer by the time you're listening at home. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So we'll start in Istanbul, 
were Hearts brought their European campaign to a close. At the time of recording, we're already best part of a week since the game. We're not going to try and analyse the match itself an awful lot. But Joel, how how was this trip from an experience perspective? This one in particular, first off, you travelled over there as a fan. You enjoyed the Turkish delights and you got to go to the game as well. How did this one rate compared to you went to Switzerland and Italy as well? Yeah, um, everyone I speak to uh, seems like I've, I've, I've missed the best one, which was Riga, which is just typical. Uh, I, I think everyone's kind of said Riga was the best one, but this one was completely different to uh, completely different to Zurich, completely different to to Florence, and I think you, the word you used, it was an experience, and it, it certainly was. Just because, whereas with uh, in Zurich, everyone was together, sorry, or St. Gallen, sorry, everyone was together, and. Uh, it was it was it was a small small city, so you just kind of stayed. Uh, Hearts fans stayed together. Florence was a wee bit more spread out, so even though you're walking around this, mind walking around the city of the day of the game, uh, doing some uh, touristy things before uh, yeah, going to the pub, you you, you were you were bumping into Hearts fans here or there. But again, Hearts fans were a wee bit spread out. However, Istanbul, the city is absolutely ginormous. I knew it was big. Yeah. I knew it was big when before going across, and I knew it was had uh, like the biggest city in uh, in Europe, and um, had a massive population. But it's only really when uh, when you get there and you try and travel around, as you get the you, you are kind of really under, uh, understand the enormity of the, uh, the the city, and even I think the probably the best way is the 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 airport we flew into gives a good indication. It took us it took us about half an hour to get out of the airport just because the airport was massive. <laughs> <laughs> and then just traveling across, traveling across the city by taxi was just, it was, you just, you just, it was like Edinburgh, getting around Edinburgh, uh, driving on, uh, on steroids on another, on another level. Uh, but the, and then, so I'll, I know Hearts put, put on buses, I think the bus out to the game, but coming back, um, we everyone everyone in the way end got got on the bus and it was just massive convoy which was great fun because basically they there must have been 20 buses plus and the police just put on this massive convoy roads were blocked off and the drivers in turkey are absolutely mental they are <laughs> uh, on the on the on the taxi out from the airport i was sitting looking towards traffic whereas my couple of mates had their back to it and i'm just every now and then just like shit 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 and <laughs> they I had no idea what was there, just, just just stay silent. I don't want to know. And then coming back on the bus after the game, it was our our bus driver was a lunatic and he drove a police car who was escorting us off the road onto the hard shoulder just because he wanted to get back uh, back into the into the lane where there was very little lane discipline. And I think everyone on our bus got off the bus and was kind of like, How have we come out, uh, come off that bus alive or unscathed? <laughs> so I think that's it, that gives you a, a kind of understanding of the both the vastness of the city but also how just a wee bit different and crazy it is um like prices we all kind of thought oh Istanbul will be really cheap in some places it was really cheap but also uh the first night we went to just bar and a couple of bars in Sultan Ahmet where we were staying and they kind of just realized we can make a lot of money for you and you were paying they were taking like prices in the supermarket they were taking prices down to beers uh, because they knew they could just charge what they wanted. There was one. Uh, there was one uh, supermarket where it was. It kind of worked out about four four pound a can, 
and then you walked 50 yards down the 50 yards down the street to a very similar supermarket and it worked out like 90p a can so they were very opportunistic but the uh, they were very very the, the locals were very very welcoming um even the, the the game getting out to the game all the Istanbul fans were wanting to get uh, pictures and um like there's seen folks swapping scarves the police presence was very very heavy handed uh, well, not he- not heavy handed but it was very um, it was a lot for what was essentially a very low-key affair with 800 Hearts fans, a very small home crowd. We got kept in 20 minutes after, but really probably didn't need to because the buses were right outside. So yeah, it was um, it was it was an experience, but a very uh, very worthwhile one. And I would I would thoroughly recommend Istanbul to um, to anyone. If you, I would. I would say you need a lot of patience and uh, a lot of time to just navigate the city, but it was it was definitely worthwhile and it was uh, it was great because it's one of those where we went into uh, the aptly named Edinburgh pub after the game and just mm-hmm. meeting folk uh, and just chatting to just chatting to other Hearts fans. It was it was, it was good for that. So yeah, it was uh, another worthwhile trip following Hearts abroad. I didn't expect the phrase um, "lane discipline." To feature when you started that little monologue there. <laughs> Honestly, it is, it is um, the the most surreal experience I've had as a passenger in a in a vehicle. Uh, just they just didn't seem to. Everyone, every kind of driver seemed to be on their phone. Um, they were all they all just seemed very relaxed, despite the fact that it was so it was such a frenetic experience driving in Turkey, but. That's uh, I, I certainly wouldn't get behind the wheel in Istanbul. That's for sure. Um, and and the, for those who aren't aware, I mean, the, the size of Istanbul is what over fifteen million people in one city. It's so in two it's, different uh, continents. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 very large, and I've not been there myself, but I have heard um, it's a, a huge place, and it's very difficult to negotiate. And yeah, it seems like an experience. So and um. Mark, I suppose the game itself. I mean, we're not, we're not going to analyze it too much, but it's probably a, kind of summed up Hearts' European campaign as a whole, really, wasn't it? I mean, I think the fans would have felt they, you know, they they, they did themselves proud in terms of the performance in many ways, but too many mistakes, and ultimately just not quite at the level required at this point. But overall, you'd hope. A useful experience because it's not yeah. it's just not a level that we've been at no and ultimately the fruits of the labor if such a thing exists following two wins and four defeats won't be seen un- until we're back on that stage and when we are what have we learned that's from a european perspective i think we can learn things from the games that we played against better teams what went right and what went wrong and there was a lot that went wrong so it's like life. You, if you can learn from that, you're better from for the experience. So I think it's very positive. I read the, the quotes in the evening news today from Andrew McKinley talking about a, a substantial profit margin given costs yeah. and everything taken into two account. And half, but, two and a half yeah, to three million, half, three I think million, I said, which, yeah. which is exceptional. And and that, that's what you would have hoped for. There, there was a concern before the draw was made that we could not get anything. And I think we got the best possible pot four opponents still bemused at how they went to Italy and got a point in Florence and drew with Istanbul 
at home with 10 men. But they did, and, and we were the only team to beat them. That That's, I mean, that's like saying I won the singing contest. Um, it's, it's, it's not it's not a, a pride thing. Um, we got the six points, and, and more importantly, we, we got, what, 435,000 times two um, for, for, for winning those two mm-hmm. games. So very profitable, but we have to learn from, from the experiences. And you've got to remember as well, most of those games were played with a whole lot of players out injured. So yeah. that I think we can take more from the Istanbul game than any of the other five games, because that could easily be a hiding to nothing, especially after conceding the opening goal. It was a case after that of, okay, you get two choices here. One, this could eclipse what Rangers uh, had done to them by Liverpool at Ibrox. Or, or two, okay, well, let's see what we've got, whether they took their foot off the gas or, or whether we kind of knuckled down and started to try and play a bit of football. I don't know what it was, but I think we get more out of that game, even although we lost it, than we did from any of the other five. The, for, for you, I think, the again, the the Istanbul game was the kind of like Mark said a, a kind of microcosm of our of our campaign as a whole. I think there was uh, positives to be had, but ultimately it comes down to on the one hand frustration and on the other hand um, enjoyment. So as, as a fan, what I've you speak to earlier, like what a what a time it was to be a Hearts fan and getting these European trips and yeah, we didn't get to probably celebrate as much as we wanted, to, uh, but it was I don't think I've there's been a Hearts fan who I well went to one trip, th- two, three, or four, who didn't come back fulfilled and just really almost like really proud to be a Hearts fan, but also just uh, really um, excited to be part of that. But at the same time, frustrate there was a frustration that we didn't get our ever really see our best team on the uh, on the pitch. The which would have certainly made a difference, would have made us a much more competitive. Frustration that we couldn't better Zurich because I really I think out of all the, the four teams we played I mean, I mean RFS we were a, a, poor tight, a poor side but with Zurich I just think they're the team that we really should have beaten yeah. over two legs I know there was mitigating factors around so George, uh, George Grant's sending off but then seeing how poor they've been in Swiss, uh, the Swiss League and seeing them over those especially that first half or first 60 minutes at Tynecastle, they were um, they were beyond average and seemed to be really uh, threatened by us. So you know, that aspect of uh, aspect of frustration and just the yeah, just the, that frustration is Zurich, the frustration of not having a settled side and kind of having a, a real goal at these teams with our best eleven. I still thought with especially the home games against Fiorentina and Istanbul, we really let ourselves down in the manner of our performances and not making it more difficult for these sides at Tynecastle. I was just looking at stats earlier on, and the team who won the fewest, uh, the ball the fewest times in the opposition, so uh, our final third of play, it was Hearts. Uh, out of the, 30, the 32 teams in the Conference League. Um, really? Hearts, all yeah, them, okay. Hearts won it yeah, the fewest times. And it kind of just... I think that was kind of just showed how at times we're really easy to play against and then you mm-hmm. go and give so many cheap goals away. It's the most frustrating aspect. I know it's not just a European thing, but the amount of goals we concede from crosses or set pieces, you just I know we're missing Craig Halkett and Kai Rose, and you've seen what Kai Rose brought to the team when he came off the bench against Motherwell in a short period of time. One headers. You want we've we were without our two best kind of headers. Um in defence and that does have an impact but 
giving away so many cheap goals as a Scottish side, um, can that stereotypical? You'd imagine us to be better in there. That was that was really frustrating again. That was shown against Istanbul, where with a changed side, I was really impressed with some of our play uh, for large parts of that that game. The way uh, the way we dug in, but also the way we moved the ball at times, and the fact that. Connor Smith thought had a really positive game. Finley Pollock came off the bench, had a really positive ge- uh, impact as well. So, yeah, it's frustration on one one side and kind of kind of pride and enjoyment on the other. I think the European run, regardless of the results, but the way that Hearts fans behaved on the mm. travels and travelled in numbers, I think it's helped them fall back in love with the club. Yeah. Yeah, and was, it's exactly that, that. that catalyst for like the, you see the Gorgi Ultras. I think the Europe, Europe's helped that as a uh, as a catalyst to bring back a bit more of that uh, that Tyne Castle atmosphere, which was becoming almost a almost a myth. It's but kind of you built see rapport with, between fans, yes. and I think between players and fans again. Yeah. I think it's really helped the dynamic over there. That's the been last noticed few by weeks. the club as well. It's been noticed by Robbie. It's been noticed by the players, and you see the reactions after the Motherwell game. Like you're always going to get a reaction after a European game, win, lose, or draw, mm-hmm. because fans have travelled thousands of miles just and spent thousands of pounds to support their team. I just feel that the biggest difference between prior to the Zurich game and now is the strength of the bond connecting the coaching staff and the players with the supporters, and I think mm-hmm. that's a great thing. We've got to build on that now. And it's, it's weird. It's like. Usually, when a game finishes, if we just beat Motherwell, even if we just won, we won in uh, kind of last minute. It'd be kind of a case of clap the fat, uh, uh, clap, clap the players as you made your way to uh, the exit, and then get back to the pub as quick as possible. But you've seen it with uh, fans away at Ross County, seen it in Florence, uh, seen it with uh, RFS, and then Motherwell as well. The the weekend is that fans are wanting to stay behind and just lap up and and, and really enjoy these moments. And it's it's been I think. This this season so far, uh, from a match day experience, it's just it's been so much better than it has been in years gone go yeah. by. And again, I think the the fans, Gorgi Ultras, deserve a massive, massive amount of credit for doing that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think so. And uh, long may it continue. Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Okay, let's move on to Sunday's game that Joel mm-hmm. mentioned uh, mm-hmm. briefly. There are plenty to talk about with this one as Hart and Midlothian hosted Motherwell in the final cinch Premiership match of the weekend after two games on Friday, two games on Saturday and two games on Sunday and lots of talking points, controversy, goals and cards to get stuck into over the weekend. Uh, But we're, of course, going to focus on Hearts, who made five changes from the team that lost 3-1 in Istanbul to Bashak Shahir, uh, Halliday, Snodgrass, Janelli, Mackay and Shankland all back into the starting 11, sticking with that 4-3-3 sort of approach that Robbie Nielsen has favoured uh, certainly in domestic games in recent weeks with Craig Gordon in goals, Michael Smith right, Halliday left, Sibbett Cochran in the middle, Grant Devlin Snodgrass in the midfield area with Janelli and Mackay flanking Lawrence Shankland up front. Um, 
Motherwell started the game a little bit brighter in the opening 10-15 minutes, but then Hearts really got a, a grip of things. And um, before we get into the big talking points, Joel, I just want to talk about one guy who um, I don't know if Hearts fans maybe just didn't expect an awful lot from just because he's getting on in years. Um, he played for a little bit when we signed him, having been at Luton Town last season. But Robert Snodgrass, who I was quite pleased with the signing as a squad player, I thought he could offer something when we needed a bit more depth because of the amount of games we've had. I think he's at the moment exceeding my expectations as well. I think he's been a really important player, especially over the last three or four weeks with the experience that we've had missing. Just the way he's dictated games from the middle of the park. I think he's suddenly become a kind of key person in that Hearts team. Yeah, uh, I've been really, really impressed with him. And I thought when we signed him, I thought he would have more than enough to play these games at, uh, at premiership level. He's played at a much higher level uh, consistently. So I never realized any, I didn't have any doubts that he would be able to uh, have a positive impact, but yeah. I didn't expect as uh, to have had for him to have as much of an impact he has and for him to maybe have played so deep. Uh, and I think that, that really su- uh, suits uh, suits him and it suits yeah. us with uh, maybe players that plays ahead of him. But what I really noticed when gaming his mother well is that it's he's really taken on a, a leader role in, mm-hmm. in in the midfield. And you've seen there's a moment in the there was a moment in the, the was it the first yeah the first half where it was I think uh, Grant had just been sent off and he kinda he, he had a wee um he kind of bammed up Callum Slattery, he got, got in his face and it was just in front mm-hmm. of Section N and it was almost as if, uh, um, it's almost to say we're not going to, we're not messing around here. And I think that it did seem to unnerve Slattery a lot, whereas Snodgrass, even I'm doing that, he knew, it's kind of, it seemed like he knew exactly what he was uh, doing and he just doesn't Nace get unnerved. <laughs> yeah, and he's, it's just, it's um, being, being a bit of that bastard you need in midfield. But he's mm-hmm. so composed on the ball. We, I think he picks his passes really well. And I, I know there's there was a few comments about his um, his bulk, shall we say, when he when he signed. But I just think that's his. Um, I, I, I just think that's his that's his build, and it doesn't stop him getting about around the pitch because he's he's over the last few games he has done a a power of running. He's, mm-hmm. Yesterday and it, at times only on really a spell in the second half he didn't really notice that was. 10 against 11 and I think that a yeah. lot of that has to down with some of the, the off the off the ball work that the likes of Andy Halliday did the likes of Robert Snodgrass did people say oh if, if only we'd registered for for Europe I'm going to I'm going to play devil's advocate with that I'm happy that he wasn't registered for Europe because I don't think he would be as an, as effective in the league because he's got a full week to prepare for these games he's, he turned 35 on the 7th of September Robert Snodgrass and he needed game time to begin with and and you saw what was the game? Was it Ross County away? Um, I mean, he, he left everything out yeah, there. Yeah, he was terrific in that game. He yeah. was absolutely, ter- and he has been terrific, especially of of late. But if he'd played in Europe as well as played three days later, I don't think he would have had the influence or the effect on Hearts that he's had. I think it would have been diluted. And while that would have been great, I'm, I'm I'm I think we've seen the best of Robert Snodgrass because he's had plenty of time to recover after games. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. But on the flip side, is that it's almost just with what he brings to the team, uh, yeah, that, course, that leadership, that. that knowledge, that you'd almost want him playing in the European games and then kind of yeah, wrestling for the league game. Yeah, le- league's more important. Yes, because uh, as, yeah. as, as, we're not going to get through that. 
but yeah. we want to finish third to get back there. And if he continues the way he's going, then I don't see any reason why you wouldn't give him another year. Oh, exactly. Because yeah. of his nope. influence yeah. in the changing room as well. And this this can be understated because you speak to all the, 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 the kind of the veteran managers of the past, the good managers, the great managers, they all had a, a kind of a dressing room lieutenant in there. They all had leaders. They all knew that, right, okay, I'm fine. I don't need to bother with that. I don't need to go in there. They'll sort it out themselves because we've got X, Y, or Z as far as the leader is concerned. Look who we've got in there. Craig Gordon, Robert Snodgrass, Andy Halliday. There's plenty. Michael Smith, right? They're all in their, their 30s. They're all leaders. Robbie Nielsen doesn't have to worry at all. They'll take care of it. And if anybody gets out of out of hand or maybe gets a wee bit too big for their boots, I'm sure Snodgrass or Halliday or Gordon or Smith or others would just kind of take them down a peg or two. So it's that respect factor as well. And I think that's important because even if Snodgrass doesn't feature as often next year, and he'll still want to because he's in great shape now, I think it's important to have someone like him around because from mm-hmm. the people you speak to and, and the things that you hear about inside that dressing room, that is a it's a it's a unified group right now, and and that's important for a for a head coach and for a club. Yeah, you, and you saw that at the the full time celebrations. You had Craig Halkett was on the pitch, um, Humphreys was on the pitch. Uh, players that weren't in the squad or players who have been on the periphery or coming back from injury, everyone was on the pitch congratulating each other, and with uh, it just it just seems like a really really good uh, team spirit. At the moment, a really good connection between the players, and it seems like everyone everyone gets on. And I think uh, Snodgrass is always going to be one where you'd add to the you'd add to the um, dressing room dynamic dynamic in a positive manner. Yep. Well, back to the game. Seven minutes before the end of the first half, the first uh, big talking point. Uh, George Grant goes in for a tackle on Callum Slattery in the middle of the park. Uh, real time back of the wheat field. Thought it looked a hard challenge. I was surprised, however, when Kevin Clancy immediately withdrew the red card and issued that to George Grant. Um, Obviously checked by VAR, but nothing changed. Um, Now, I'll hand this over to you, Mark, because in commentary we got a couple of angles, one wide angle, one which is kind of from, looks like almost behind the goal from one side, but a little bit zoomed in. I, I thought it was very hard to tell conclusively. Jimmy thought it was a little bit worse than I did, but neither of us could really commit on whether it was the right call or not. And one of the problems, we've mentioned it before with VAR, is um, non-TV game, you're talking, what, six cameras in total. So the likelihood is there probably wasn't a better angle for the VAR either. And I felt like it was just one of those that if he gives the red it's going to get kept as a red. And if you gave a yellow, it probably would have got kept as a yellow. Well summed up. Yep. Budget Scottish football. Why go for the full whack when we can do it on the cheap? Oh, we don't have much money. Well, we'll, we can still bring it in, but we can get six cameras. There's also a suggestion that there's eight cameras for games at Celtic Park and Ibrox, the extra two cameras um, for the home Mm, games. So I've heard, yeah. Yeah, being supplied and paid for by the home team. Now, of course, if the game is on Sky, you've got access to all the angles, but we do a budget. And, and I think you're right. I think the referee, and this is this is where we have to go back to VAR not being a tool to re-referee games. Ultimately, it's there to overturn clear and obvious errors. Now, for me, 
If he looks at this again, based on what Robbie Nielsen has said that Kevin Clancy told him that he went in high, if he looks at that again, then you'll probably see, oh, well, he wasn't really as high as I thought. Law 12, careless, foul. Reckless, yellow card. Using excessive force, red card. That, for me, is reckless. It's not using excessive force. Foot wasn't high. Studs were kind of showing down the way. He's gone in quickly, but foot, you don't make a tackle. You don't just, it's not walking football. You're, it's not no. from a standing start. He had to come from a distance to make the tackle. Has he endangered the opponent? Has he used excessive force? I don't think he has. And I, I think if, if he's given a yellow card for that, I don't think the Motherwell players are going to complain too much. But you're right. It, is it a clear and obvious error? Only the referee could decide. And if you've got a referee that, that is all about self-preservation, then you'll be like, no, I'm going to stick by my, my decision. I never said that to Robbie. I didn't say it was high. I'm, uh, it's a red card for me. Then then it's... The only way he's getting taken to the monitor is, is if the, the assistant or the video assistant yeah. referee says, I, I think that's a clear and obvious and error. Do you know, and it was the same VAR who um, made the referee go to the monitor and sent Tony Watt off the previous week. So yeah. whether that, that same time. VAR would be keen to do yeah. it again, having seen that overturned, I'm not sure. But hearts have appealed. So there will be an appeal tomorrow at the time of recording. So Tuesday. Um, for George Grant sending off. I'll read what Robbie Nielsen said. He said, um, having seen it, and even at the time, I didn't think it was a red card. Kevin's thoughts at the time were that he was high and out of control and reckless. When you look at it, he's definitely not high because he's on the ground. His studs are down. There's going to be some kind of velocity when you make a tackle. That's part of football. I don't think it ticked the boxes that he thought it did. I would have liked for him to look at it again. My belief is we've got VAR there for a reason, and I think there was an opportunity to look at it again. I think if he sees it, he changes his mind. I don't know if you ever watched the, you watched the BBC documentary on VAR before it came into being earliest month and then the last month BBC Scotland did a documentary. It was really good and it had the one of the referees, um, I'm not sure what he's, what the term would be. I don't know if it's, uh, it's someone who analyses referees' performances. They went out to Dundee Night, eh, Motherwell, sorry, and looked at the, the different things that VAR could... Um, a referee, referee. Yeah, he was exactly a referee, referee, and he went out and explained uh, VAR coming in, and they looked at some different, they looked at different challenges, and there was one where it was Liam Boyce on a Dundee United player last season, and Liam Kelly was like, oh, that's 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 the old, uh, basically that's a, an orange card, and I'm looking at Grant and probably thinking that's something, that would be somewhere in the middle between a red and a, a yellow in real time, I thought it was a definite red card from where I was standing. I did think he was like Nielsen said about Clancy. I thought he was he was high. He went in high and he used excessive force. Watching it back, he's not as high as uh, not nearly as high as I thought at the time. And he then he does go in with a fair bit of pace uh, or velocity. Um, and does that fall into excessive excessive force? So I can see why I can certainly see why Clancy gave it as a red card. And also could see why I uh, can see why Nielsen is upset that Clancy didn't go to the monitor and have a look. And you just think, can just read it. Like you've got this mechanism here now. Uh, if you're if there's kind of doubt about it, then if you've got the opportunity, go go and have a look. I just don't know if he would have seen 
enough. I don't think they had any better angles than what we did. And if that's the no, case, that, that was a the problem was none of the angles really showed the point of contact very well. Um, and I don't, you know, from the angles you see, it doesn't look like a clear red. But then if he's going to look at it again and he's given a red card, he has to be then pretty sure, I think, in his mind to then change it. I wonder yeah. if Hearts have found another angle because they're going to... Then the United uh, did with Tony Watt. I know that's what I was going to say, yeah. United found another angle. And to be fair, the Tony Watt one... I'm sure did, I'm sure Jalen would have, um, will have unearthed one yeah. of his... Um, on, on one of his videos. The Tony Watt one, the first angles you saw shared, you could actually understand why it was given. I mean, I thought it looked... Didn't necessarily look conclusive, but you could see where where the ref was coming from. But then you saw the the new angle that United provided, and you're like, "Oh, actually, no, it's categorically not a red card." Actually, when you see it from that position, but I just think there's so many drawbacks to it as well. And it's interesting, you know. I saw some people commenting as well, going, "Why didn't they check the corner?" I saw I saw a few Motherwell comments because the corner that Hearts then score from, it wasn't a corner. But VAR can't VAR, VAR can can't, do things. Yeah, VAR can't check a corner. It's not allowed. It's it's not allowed to check corner kicks. Um, so it's just one of, people get frustrated at certain things, but that's where that's where you don't want it to go down is because then you start checking absolutely bloody everything and the game well, does turn into a farce. You're talking yeah. about him going back over to see the incident again. Why would he do that? The red card. Yeah. Why would he do that? Well, he's only going to do it if the VAR tells him that they think there's a mistake and they can't yeah. see enough of it to see a mistake. So they're well, not going to for, any, for, any, for anybody saying... He should go and have a look at it. He's made his mind up. He's only going to look at it if they say we think you've, you think you made correct. a correct. Correct. So for for those people saying, well, he should have gone over and checked, and the only way he's he's going to do that is if the assistant referee, video assistant referee, says, I think you might want to take another look at that. There's no way he's just going to walk over and no. go, uh, unless he's convinced that he's he's made a mistake. But this is when the whole self preservation society comes in, and turkeys don't vote for Christmas or Thanksgiving, or, or whatever they are over here, he's not going to go over and look at that. He's made his mind up. No, now, the whole that's not him. The problem with him is, uh, the problem Kevin Clancy's taking his red card out too quick. I don't. Th- I think you can blame him for that. I don't think you can say, once it's been made, it's up to the VAR to tell him that there's a mistake. And I just don't, then I think, then I think the problem is with our VAR, because I don't know, did he even have an angle to see that? Because I, I can't say Well, he's got the best angle. Yeah. He, he's got, he's, he is exactly. less than 10 yards away. So, is it a clear and obvious error? That That is ultimately what it comes down to. And objectivity and subjectivity when it comes to VAR. Objectivity, did it happen or didn't it happen? Was he offside? Wasn't he offside? Simple. Objective. Subjectivity. Could be. Maybe he's I. Maybe he's not. With that, is it a clear and obvious error? I'm not sure it is. But this is this is why right at the start, when you introed this, I think you got it spot on. If he gives a yellow there, VAR's not going to change it and say it should have been a red. But because he's given a red, VAR's not going to change it and say it should have been a yellow. So Mm -hmm. the mistake has probably been made by Kevin Clancy in dishing out a red for a challenge that I think is only a yellow, but it is not a clear and obvious error. So there are different kind of terminologies and, and different things now as far as an appeal is concerned. Because Hearts don't need to prove it was a clear and obvious error. What Hearts need to prove was that, at the most, was a yellow card offence. The bottom yeah. line is, if the referee sticks by his guns and says, it was a red for me, there's nothing Hearts can do about that. Yeah. So this is where you're hoping for a little bit of 
I'm not. I don't think ref, referees are not dishonest. Let's put that straight here. A lot of them are, are poor and incompetent, but they're not dishonest. No. And I'm actually going to stand up for Kevin Clancy. Oh, why? Where the penalty is concerned, I can either do that now or I can wait. No, we'll, we'll, do we'll something to, in between we'll, before we get. We'll get to the, to penalty. the penalty. Yeah, we'll get to the penalty. Okay. So first off, I mean Hearts down to ten men, but they managed to find themselves two goals up with a goal either side of half time. First one, uh, corner kick. Shouldn't have been a corner, but you know, there's bad calls going all around, so we might as well take them when they go in our favour. Um, and it's the same combination that led to the goal at Dingwall. Corner whipped in by Snodgrass and a lovely header looping this time from Andy Halliday into the far right side of the goal. And then a cracking strike early in the second half to double their lead. Now, Joel, two things for you. First off, how good is it to actually play corners into the box and see it work? And two, how, how good is Andy Halliday right now? Yes, the, the the first one I can. That was a very frustrating aspect of uh, Istanbul was our set piece delivery. I can understand you were look. We were looking at it, and you can understand why maybe Hearts do want to play it short because they've not got a big side and Motherwell are a big side. But when you've got someone on form and uh, as accurate as Mister Halliday is in there, then you may as well just chuck it in and hope for the best. But he's been he's been absolutely brilliant, and he. He's, he's up there with one of my favourite players for Hearts right now. Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of raised eyebrows over the deal, the extended deal, not the fact that you got to give him a new deal. It was just maybe the length of it. But you look at Halliday's career at Hearts, he is the perfect squad player. He can, he is someone that you can drop into numerous positions and you can trust him to put in a solid display. He's a reliable uh, player, whether it's in centre midfield, he gives us loads of energy, whether it's if you want to play him at left uh, left back, you want to play him at left wing back, you can play him left side of midfield. You can even chuck him in a back uh, left or back three and he'd be solid enough. Nielsen's played as, uh, him as a number 10, and he is one of those players I think every single team needs. Man United had it with John O'Shea under, Man- uh, under Alex Ferguson that where. The manager, he might not be a star every week. He might not be. He might not be in the best five, even maybe ten players, um, kind of quality wise in the team. But you know, when the chips are down and big matches, you can turn to this player, and he will fulfil the, the the role you need him to fulfil. And that is what we've got with Andy Halliday. When it comes to now, when it's come to like big games, I was like, I was, I was really happy to see him rested or not play against Istanbul. Because I knew he would then be playing against Motherwell, mm-hmm. and in big games, you're now wanting Halliday to be there. Especially, he's, he's a type of player that, if when it comes to an Edinburgh derby, he'd be one of my first names on the team sheet because he has those that skill set to play in an Edinburgh derby. The intensity, the aggression, the, the the energy, and just someone you want to trust in that environment. And now he's coming up with big moments for us, which is. Which is excellent because uh, I think it's just something he's he's really deserved, and I'm delighted that there's a greater appreciation of what he gives to the team and the understanding behind the length of his contract. And Mark, um, we had Ryan on recently. He was chatting about Andy Halliday and saying it sometimes goes unnoticed to maybe fans. You know, not so much now because we're seeing a lot of you know big moments in games, but he just is having someone like that around a dressing room. Is actually really important, and uh, you could probably say the same. But like Snodgrass, you're talking about leadership. Um, 
he's just someone that you want in your team. Just the attitude that rubs off on people as well. Just the work rate, the willingness to play anywhere, the willingness to to come on and make a difference and not worry if he's not in the team, not worry if he isn't a first pick, but work harder to get back in the team. And I think that sort of thing does rub off. I and mean, we can only we only see a little bit of what happens with a team like that. But you get that impression, don't you, with someone like Andy Halliday? You do, and and I'm sl- I'm slightly surprised that he's he's still only 31. He was in his 20s when Hart signed him, and he only turned 31 last month. So you, you kind of look and you think, oh, yeah, he's been around for a while. I mean, he had, had that spell at Rangers, and he was he was down south forever as well, and began at Livingston many many years ago. But that was as a teenager. So we're we might be getting his best stuff because he's mm-hmm. getting regular games. And when he was down south, I mean, you look at the you look at the games that he's played in the championship with Rangers in 2015-16. He played 35 games. After that, Hearts and 26 games in 2020 um, was the most that he's played in his career. So it's it's the consistency factor. He played and started 24 of 26 in our championship season. He played 27 last season, 15 from the start, 12 off the bench. This season, he started eight. These are all league games and come off the bench on five occasions. So he's someone who is an integral part of, of the team. And as Ryan quite rightly said, he's someone who, if he isn't picked, he'll, he'll want the person picked in front of him to do well. It's not about him. It's about the team. And that that is priceless. Moving on to the penalty, now we spoke about I, this, and I thought I thought Hearts were actually, you know, considering they had ten men, not not only to get two 0 in front, but as Joel said, I didn't think it looked like they were a man down for even, you know, the first sort of half of that second half, really. And mm-hmm. then when Motherwell get back into it, it really came from nowhere. It's what just after the hour mark, it was a bit of a lucky break the way the ball ended up going through for Louis Moult, I thought, but when he's in on goal, you know, it's a little bit ominous. He gets into the Hearts box. Um, I have to say, thought it was a clear penalty. Um, seen a replay, still haven't changed my mind that I think it's a penalty kick. I know there's stills, and I know you're going to tell me that Mr. Goalkeeper says he got a wee touch on the ball, but I, I don't know if I'm going to budge from thinking this is a penalty. Okay, a couple of things about this. One, you can't give what you can't see. So the referee thinks it's a penalty. If that is on Sky, then there's a good chance that VAR would find the angle that is the same one as the still photo. And if they did, that would then... Hold on, there's reasonable doubt here. But it doesn't. And it has the six cameras. And there is nothing in any of those replays that suggests that the goalie got a touch on the ball, which the still suggests he did. So... I'm going to side with Kevin Clancy in part one, and that is the penalty award. If he thinks it's a penalty and he doesn't see the touch, regardless if if there is one, he's got to give the penalty where Kevin Clancy gets it wrong. Craig Gordon should have been sent off. Yeah. Now, he... this This is where you talk about if you're on a yellow card, you've got to be careful. Should he have been on a yellow card? What was the reasoning behind his first caution? As captain of the football club, he is perfectly entitled as a goalkeeper to come out of his area, not to confront the referee, but respectively, uh, respectfully kind of say, or 
have a conversation. Now, we don't know why he was shown the yellow card. If he was shown the yellow card for coming out of his box, then it's the wrong decision. So only Kevin Clancy would know why that's a yellow card. I didn't think it should have been a yellow card. You don't get a yellow card uh, for 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 asking to have a word with the official, and if you're following abusive language, it's a straight red. But the bottom line is he's on a yellow. By making that challenge, regardless if he got the ball or not, the referee thinks it's a penalty. So it should be a second yellow. So that's wrong. So Mother will feel hard done by. But there were a lot of little things that Kevin Clancy got wrong. Like the Kevin Van, I think it was the Kevin Van Veen goal that was chopped off for offside. There's a clear foul by a Motherwell player on a Hearts player. In the build-up to that, you can see after the the goal is, is chalked off, that Cochrane goes to the referee and says, that's a fucking foul. And the referee, blah, blah, blah. As far as the penalty is concerned, Gordon should have seen a second yellow if a penalty is awarded. But going back to VAR and Scottish football's reliance on a budget system, if we had more cameras available or if that game had been on Sky, I think one of them would have picked up the touch by the goalie because that still doesn't lie. There's clearly a touch, but it does look like at full speed. And even when it's slowed down, it looks like it should be a penalty. So make of that what you want. Kevin Clancy can only go by what he sees. He should have shown a second yellow card to Craig. But the angle that suggests that Craig got the touch on the ball would negate any possible decision to give a penalty and it would see it overturn. The problem is we don't have enough cameras because Scottish football does things on the cheap. Joel, penalty, no penalty? Stonewaller. (laughs) Uh, I can see, obviously, Gordon's adamant that he got uh, got his glove tip, but just watching watching it back so many times, it just it just looked like a a stone wall to me. Um, watching Pal said at the time, you thought he Gordon hesitated on his way out, which he's not been the best coming off his line. Um, kind of throughout throughout his career, just kind of reacting to that, and there, there's there's something in that. But yeah, I, I thought it was apparently. And looking back at the, the the cameras that we have available to us, whether it's sports scene or Y Scout, is that I. I think it's um it's I've not seen anything that changes my mind. Delighted nope. he didn't get a yellow card though, because I, yes. I thought I thought maybe he didn't get a yellow card because Molt's touch took him uh, was going to take him too far away from goal. Make so, it not a uh, clear chance. Yeah, so it wasn't going to be a clear chance. And Janelli was coming around the back side. Uh, the, 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 the side of it's still a yellow card, regardless of whether it's a clear cha- a clear chance or not. The fact no, that no. Craig said, "I got a touch, I got a touch, I got a touch," has put a seed of doubt into the referee's mind that fuck maybe he did um right but well, not, not all not all, all fouls are yellow cut like no uh, i mean david marshall didn't get booked on friday either did he um which i mean was that was, was also a disgraceful decision no it was a disgraceful decision but once they gave the foul he still didn't book him because yeah. and then you look at you look at yens and cameron carter vickers and the two penalties that we got against Celtic. against celtic both I thought were in a stonewall yellow card especially the first didn't get given yeah, so, yeah, yeah so the, the first been a strange one Anyway, okay. Who'd be a referee, huh? Who would be? Oh God! I know, absolutely not. Um, it changed the complexion. It changed it uh, as 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 goals do. It changed the kind of course of the game. And Motherwell then started growing confidence. Hearts started to look like ten men. Um, brought in some uh, players to to try and make it a little bit more defensive. And um, 
this is where you get a little bit worried when you you make your changes. You take off attacking players, you put on defensive players because if the other team scores, you feel like well the momentum is all with them. And Motherwell did score, and it's a bit of a disappointing goal in many ways. It's McKinstry who plays across the box, and Joel. <laughs> You know, Michael Smith has been great for Hearts. Mm-hmm. He's been a great servant. He's got a lot of experience in there. But I don't know if it's just tiredness in this game or just not, it doesn't have the legs anymore. But Blair Spittle got away from him very easily to, to knock this ball home. Yes. At, at the time, I thought just uh, just the, the, the uh, kind of uh, immediacy of it. I thought, oh, it's uh, Toby, Toby Civics. Um, not done great there. But then seeing the replay was Michael Smith. And it's not the first time. It's not the first time this season a, a goal like that's been scored. Uh, I think it's maybe happened two or three times. You look at Greg Taylor for Celtic coming yeah. in on Smith's blind side. Smith didn't really, I think, it's almost like he's not uh, reacting to the situation of where is the most danger. And he's, he's, he's maybe he's going back to defend, but he's not, he's not kind of using his, all his experience in his, uh, in his career of being a defender. It's like, right, where is the, where is the likelihood that a goal is going to come from? Get there and put himself in that position. And I don't think he's, he's done that. And I don't think, the, I do think the change didn't help. I didn't, it wasn't the change I would have made. Uh, from the, the double change from Nielsen. Yeah, I, Nielsen I think, and Atkinson came on, Halliday yeah, and Janelli went off. I would have um, would have kept Janelli on, would have taken Barry McKay off. I was wondering, certainly when he came on later on, I was like, why not play Kai Rolls, not bring Kai Rolls on? Rolls is he's on the bench. Yeah, Nielsen looked a little bit nervy when he came on, didn't he? Yeah, he has, and it's... I've got one Nielsen, he's, 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 he's had a lot of ups and downs and young defender, he's going to have that. John Suter had that and there's, there's been a lot, there's there's plenty of signs to say that he's going to be a, a, an excellent defender. But in that scenario, you you, you probably put rules on who is, I think, a, a, probably a bit more uh, assured of himself um, in that game scenario. And you've seen it with a couple of times where like as soon as he came on and then the goal, and then a couple of times after the goal where a, a pass, just everything was a wee bit untidy with Nielsen. So I did feel for him, especially with the the way the game kind of transpired. We can see the goal and then he, I think he passed the ball out the pitch. And it was, I don't think Hearts fans were getting on his back, but it was just that frustration mm-hmm. uh, as of a supporter of having been in the lead, having lost the lead, knowing how big the game is, down to 10 men. Uh, it was just it was more frustration, and that probably doesn't help him either. So yeah, I, I do think that Smith didn't cover himself in glory, but I don't think Nielsen did with the with the change. Uh, Robbie mm. Nielsen did with the uh, with the yeah. double change. <laughs> uh, Mark, this is this is I think this is a really pivotal point for Hearts. This what happens next? This is ten minutes to go, a game at home. You went down to ten men. You somehow get two 0 ahead, and now you get pegged back at two two. You've made defensive changes. So you've taken off. One of your better players for the game who scored two goals. You've taken off one of your attacking players. So you've got limited options now. The other team has momentum. You know, I think so many Hearts team down the years, I would, I just think, would have taken probably zero points at this point. And at that point, I'll, I'll admit, I was like, God, let's just get out here with a 2-2 draw now. Um, 10 minutes plus injury time. This is Motherwell's to win at this point. I think this is a huge amount for Hearts at this point. It's not, not not just the game itself, not just psychologically, but table as well. If Motherwell win that game, Hearts go down to ninth. Um, if they can win the game, hauls them up to, to fourth spot. And I just think from so many different angles, this is such a 
huge, well, it was about 15 minutes, we include added time, for Hearts to get from that point, pegged back at 2-2, down to 10 men, to end that game with three points, I think that is absolutely massive. And I think it was shown by the reaction of the players and the supporters about how important that could be. And we'll not know until the end of, of the season as far as points are concerned, but from a momentum perspective, to go to Ibrox now having done that, the belief should be huge. Should be. Ibrox, different story given our past. But I mentioned earlier leaders, on-field leaders. Craig Gordon plus the outfield players, the, the, the 30-somethings, the Robert Snodgrasses, the Andy Hallidays, the Michael Smiths. The leader in that game and he was magnificent. Yeah. And he helped set up the goal was our number 19, Alex Cochran. Absolutely. And I, I thought he was just absolutely phenomenal. There was a tackle late on that he made. That <laughs> yeah. He was greeted by a roar. Yeah. Which if, <laughs> if you were outside the stadium, you'd think was another goal. That is what you need. It's all hands to the pump. It's 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 just all in it together. It's play your part. He started off as left centre back. I, I believe he, he ended up left back when Andy Halliday was was replaced with Lewis Nielsen coming on or left wing back. And he still had the engine to, to get forward and to put the ball in. I, I don't know what the defender's thinking about. It's clearly a penalty. Referee got that one spot on. Um, but it, it is massive. It, it, it's massive in that it, it's only mother. It's only motherless manner of it. It's 10 men. It's having been 2-0 up. It's looking like if there was one team that was going to get the winner, it wasn't us, as you quite rightly said. So when I was thinking about this today, the, the Hibs game at Easter Road and how bad we felt after that game, because we thought we were getting all three points and we ended up getting one. That game and this game against Motherwell, we've ended up with four points. Now, the way it worked out, the way it happened, I mean, three points and one point, one point and three points, it's a huge three points that gives us so much momentum going forward. And you know what? It can be used by Robbie Nielsen, by the coaching staff, by the leaders in the dressing room. Remember that day? We were in big trouble. We were 2 up against Motherwell. We conceded a couple and we were we were really struggling to, to hold on. Yeah, well, we've shown before we can do it. Now go and do it again. You can't use that if you don't win that game. Hearts did, and I just think it's massive. Absolutely. three big. Three big points. Yeah, I just want to say, just just on Cochrane, is that um, I was really pleased for him. I, I, I've having been a fan of him last season, just as kind of solid, reliable player. Just he's just come on leaps and bounds this season. But I did think he's he's, he's had a couple of a couple of tough games playing at centre back. Uh, just the way that the, the, uh, with injuries the team set up, and he's he's not maybe shown his best light in a couple of games over the last month or so. But he saw on uh, saw on Sunday just how good a player he is, and it's one of the best individual performances, certainly from a, a, a defensive player for many a year uh, at Hearts. And it goes into that. I thought again that kind of mistake of the the sub by Robbie Nielsen is that I thought Cochran was doing so well at centre back. There was the, there was a, there was a really was a ball into the box in second uh, the second half where it was in the six yard box and he defend, defended it perfectly. But yeah, the just the kind of decision to take the game by the scruff of the neck and just bomb up that that wing. He did did so well and 
yeah, uh, absolutely, just so pleased for him. But yeah, the the the, the three points are just just massive because you'll go in, you, you went into that kind of run of games after Celtic, and you looked at the the last four games, and you thought even seven points would be uh, would, would would be ideal. We'd be still in uh, in in the pack, maybe just behind Aberdeen, maybe just behind Hibs, but. Looking at it now, there's a chance that we'd be going to get nine points, maybe even ten. I'm not confident enough to think well, um, Rangers are in need of a win. Of course, Hearts. I um, love to play that fall guy who will go, yes, you can have your win. But you're then going to Livingston, winning that, and you've got nine points from those those 12 is absolutely huge. Yes, and that's perfect time from Joel for us to move on. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. And as Joel mentions, Hearts will be going to Ibrox in their next game. Hi! After that win against Motherwell, against the Rangers team feeling a little bit lower after a defeat to Ryan McGowan's St Johnston at the weekend. Um... So Rangers won one in five. They've drawn at home to Livy recently. They lost that game to Saints. That said, they did hammer Aberdeen pretty convincingly in the last home league game. And Hearts lost 5-0 on the last visit to Ibrox, albeit they also got a draw there last season. But it's not a happy hunting ground for Hearts. Uh, without a win in 11 matches at Ibrox, losing nine and drawing two. Last victory came in Robbie Nielsen's first spell in August 2014. And the last top flight win over a decade ago now, March 2012, when Ian Black and Jamie Hamill secured a win for Paolo Sergio's heart side. Uh, so I, I get the impression, Joel, that you're not too optimistic about hearts trying to, um, or successfully going to Ibrox and I guess rubbing salt into the Rangers' wounds at the moment. No, because I've, I've, I've seen this storyline many, many times <laughs> where it doesn't matter if it's, it's Rangers Celtic or... If so it's Rangers Celtic where you're like, oh, we can go and make it difficult for them or it's a team who have been absolutely shit and in need of a win. Hearts turn up and just are unable to... unable to do anything off note. And that's my fear for Wednesday night. Even though we've got a great chance of being able to go Ibrox and make it really difficult for Rangers because it's not going to take a lot for that crowd at Ibrox to come bordering on toxic because they want Giovanni Van Bronckhorst out. You saw yeah. the scenes after the defeat to St Johnston at McDermott Park where fans waited for the team after the game. James Tavenier kind of stood and listened to their, 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 their gripes, their moans, and it's building up to something which I think is going to end with Giovanni Van Broncos getting sacked. But the way it's been reported so far is that he's safe in his job, which kind of just adds to the tension and probably frustration, the annoyance of the Rangers crowd. So if Hearts can go there and if we can go there, either score early or keep it tight and frustrate Rangers for you're going... 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I mean, after 20 minutes, and if Rangers are playing poorly or it's not going their way, they will get anxious. And there's players within that team who, when it's when it's going to get tough, I think the hearts can get at them. I think they could get be, become nervous. And 
we do have the quality as shown to um, to score goals against teams because that's another thing is that we need to score two goals to win games at the moment. We've, <laughs> not, we've, we've not kept a clean sheet in 10. We've got two clean sheets in 22 this season, which is, uh, again, a frustrating aspect, but we kind of know the reasons uh, reasons for it. But it is, um, it's a game where it's, perfect opportunity to play Rangers, get a result against Rangers, but I've seen this play out so many times before and it just feeds into my my. I was going to say pessimism as a Hearts fan, but more realism. Mark, um, <laughs> Joel probably sums up the feelings of, of many Hearts fans and to be honest, it, it, we can't keep clean sheets just now. You know, if, if we are going to get something from a game, we generally have to score at least one, probably more, especially away to Rangers. Um, can Hearts go to Ibrox and get something? And if they are to, uh, how do they approach this game? Because what we saw from Mr McGowan's side on Sunday was for a lot of it just play very deep, very defensive, let Rangers have all the ball, all the opportunities. But do Hearts have the personnel to, to go with that approach at Ibrox at the moment? Hmm. Frustrating their supporters is... More than half the battle. Joe and yourself have quite rightly said the atmosphere will be toxic even before kickoff. They're, they're, the Bears are not happy right now. They're wondering who's next. They've given up on, on the coach. There was a, a video going around of um, the build-up to St. Johnson's first goal at the weekend. John Lundstrom <laughs> looked like Grandad. Remember Clive Dunn? You two are probably too young for that. But there used to be a kids' TV show called Grandad. Clive Dunn. Played granddad, and it, you're it you're just, sounding like granddad telling us this. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no idea what you're te- talking about. Sell, sell my knee while the Hovis theme tune plays on the gramophone in the background. But Clive Dunn was like in his eighties. He played granddad, and that was what John Lundstrom looked like. He looked, he looked like he was about to expire, and he had very little oxygen left. And then at the end, the only thing he didn't do was fall over. He just played the worst pass, and and that led to to chaos. They're in bits right now. They're way behind Celtic in the league, seven points behind the golfing class is just is ridiculous. So it's up to Hearts not to do what they did in Zurich and, and not to do against or what they do against sides that are, are needing wins. It seems to be the heart of Midlothian benevolent football club. What do you need? You need a, you need you need a bit of confidence, son. Here you go. Have a have an early goal or something like that. We need to defend better. I'm gonna ask you both a quiz question. You gave us the Jamie Hamill line about scoring the winner the last time we won there in the top flight. When and who was the goal scorer the last time Hearts took the lead at Ibrox in the top flight? So Hamill? This. Nope. Last time they took the lead. Um, in the top flight at Ibrox was when the top flight last time they took the lead um Ruben Palazuelos no hmm. same team I think we drew 2-2 two, two with them under Shaba potentially it was yeah, a 1-1 that... draw in July 2011 oh David Abua yeah good shout ah David opening Abua game of the season yeah yep. opening game of the season David Abua scored first 16 minutes before Stephen Naismith equalized just before the hour mark. That was the last time that Hearts took the lead in the top flight in a league game against Rangers. One of those um, last games. That was when Ryan McGowan had that Spanish boy in his back pocket. Remember? What was his name? Juan Manuel Ortiz. 
Aye, ended his, ended his Rangers career Mar- right there, didn't he? Juan Mar Ortiz. He got, he got subbed. Aye. He got subbed late on. Because he can get McGowan's back pocket. See, I like giving him praise when he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the last... It's been a while. And honestly, I mean, I still go back to the Alan Johnson um, hat-trick, the Joe Hamill goal, obviously Osman So scoring in the championship. Uh, Jamie Hamill scoring the winner. I mean, it's just it's just as bad a record um, as well. I suppose it's not as bad as Celtic Park because it's been ages since we won there. But when's the mentality going to change? If not now, then when? Simple against Rangers. That's all you need to say to the players. Look at the fucking nick of them. They are a gang. They are a state. Their confidence is lower than a snake's belly. Now get out there from the first whistle, get your fucking tackles in right from the beginning, and go and take the game to them. If like, not now, like then when? <laughs> well, seriously, and I've just realised that my doors and my windows are open because it's a very mild evening here in Connecticut, and there's um there's some some young teenagers outside looking up as if to say, "Mummy, Daddy, what's that language emanating from that window?" Oh, your your teenagers are definitely um. Uh, better spoken than teenagers around here because it'd be the other way around. Teenagers walking past our house, um, right? Okay, well, why not? Get, we've, we, I don't think we did it last time. We're not going to predict Motherwell because we've got a game before then. I'm going to predict. Sp- I'm going right, Motherwell. I'm going to predict Hearts win by three goals to two. No, like but, but, no, uh, so not Motherwell. I mean <laughs> Livingston. Livingston. Um, Rangers. Give me a come on, Mark. Start us off. Give me a score line and uh, one of the scorers. One one Shankland. Okay, Joe. You. I really want to be positive, but 3-1 Rangers, Ryan Kent. Fuck off, Joel. Oh, come on. Bearing in mind that our predictions Ryan are generally Kent. like... As, uh, you, no, you've got to pick a Hearts play. You don't understand this. Who's going to score the Hearts goal, then? Oh, who's going to say... Oh, sorry. Who's going to score the score, score the Hearts goal? Um, I'll go for Cammy Devlin. Oh, oh interesting. Can't pick a Rangers win. I'll, I know. It's... <laughs> Amateur. Going to happen. Um, we know that. Like, you can't I know you'll probably be the only one who gets this right, but that's not the <laughs> point. Uh, I'm going to go two two. I'm going to go two two. Desmond. Desmond. So. And Andy Halliday is going to score. Oh, no one. Celebrate. No one is going to know how to react. Home fans, <laughs> away fans. Not sure he's Andy still going to. He's going to know how to react. Everyone's going to be really confused when it crying. happens. Thing is, yeah. thing is, if he if, if he scores, if he's if he was to score the winner. Um, he would be lauded as a hero around Ibrox because yeah. of push Giovanni Van Bronckhorst won. Think about this, right? Would he be the only player ever to be considered a hero by both Rangers and Celtic supporters and by Hearts supporters? So three different sets of supporters. Andy Halliday could be a hero if he scores the winner because Gio would get the bin, you would think. Celtic would love it because Rangers lose and Hearts would love it because Hearts would beat Rangers. That can't happen very often to be a hero at three different clubs if you scored the winning goal, including the team you've scored against. He'd be the most popular Andy Halliday has ever been, I imagine. There we go. Well, let's hope we find out on Wednesday exactly how that would transpire if it if it does happen. Um, before we go, I should mention we, we spoke last time about uh, pre-match music because we got an email from Andrew Smith who asked Mark and myself, uh, what would you play right before kickoff, would you play oh, yeah. the Hector Nickel Hart song? Would you play the Colin Chisholm Hart song? And we spoke about that, or whether we'd play something else. What What would you have, Joe? Would you have 
one of those songs or would you have something else i was voice for a uh, voice for that on the, the poll earlier and i would have colin chisholm I, would, I used to be used to be a big hector nickel uh okay. hickle uh, man but um um i'm leaning towards colin chisholm now i just think it's a wee bit more it's uh it's a wee bit more upbeat okay well the i think the... i think you split it i think you'd maybe go hector uh hector nickel for some games but for for, for the big ones i would i would bring out colin chisholm which is exactly, um, which is exactly what his uh, son said. David Chisholm replied and said, "I'm biased, obviously, but I'd have my dad's one pre-match Hector Nickel after a win." Um, there's been several attempts at a recording updated Rock Heart song, but no one ever seems to get it right. There's a reason those two versions have stood the test of time. There was one. There was one. Wasn't there? R a y n e. Rain did a Hearts version, um, but it wasn't the Hearts song, was it? It was a different. It wasn't the. It wasn't this. It wasn't like a remake of. It was on Hector the twenty. Different, yeah. It was. I was going to say it was on twenty Jambo Classics. That should be renamed to eighteen Jambo Classics and get rid of the boy whose balls haven't dropped at the end. Well, of it, I. Of you say that. So you say that, Mark. When we were in, when we were in Istanbul, the, well, the every wrong. every every pub or kind of restaurant wanted um, wanted us to put heart songs on. We wanted to put a playlist on, and um, I think we heard every single song from that. That that tr- that track, other than uh, other than yourself, so you're not getting Good. any royalties from Lot. No, no, no. Good. I let Good. it play. I know what I let it play in the car because it's on that no. playlist. It's on that playlist that everyone put songs on for Rob Borthwick and myself when we were travelling, and I put the same playlist on for Dingwall. And you know you what? Fast forward that though. I, I let it play. I nor I normally do, but I just let it play. It was it was a seven hour round trip, so I have to fill a lot of time. So I let well. It play. Track 19, 6 minutes 57 seconds, takes you from 1874 to 1957. And then track 20, mm-hmm. I'll take you from 1958 to 1998. I think it's due an upgrade and an updated version where uh, a, the, the person that narrated those past two tracks sounds a bit more like this. And not like this! It's eight minutes and fifty-five seconds for track twenty. You're a brave man. I'd like to think it was just on as as a kind of accompanying um, background noise while you and Borthwick talk some. Well, 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 this well, it was it was Dingwall, so it was just me in the car. So I was just trying to pass a very long journey on the A9 with average average speed cameras. Uh, Anyway, the uh, vote. Anyway, the majority. Very much traditionalists. Fifty-three percent want the Hector Nickel Hart song. Thirty-nine percent Colin Chisholm. Um, apologies, for my typo in that one, but it was one of those. You start a poll, and you realise you've got a typo, and everyone's already started voting. Anyway, eight percent voted for something else. So, on the whole, people still want to stick with tradition. Um, hopefully, uh, tradition is not um a, de- a tier two on Wednesday as Hearts go to Ibrox. Is traditionally we'll get pumped. But we're hoping for something different this time. Um, thank you to Mark for joining me again. Thank you very much, Joel, for for coming on despite your um, your fatigue from so many European trips and just enjoying hearts with with the rest of us. No, thank you. I was I was, uh, I was delighted to be asked on, and now we've got to go and tidy up a lot, a lot, a lot of takeaway take boxes. But it is what it is. It's all been worth it. We recently received a message from Ross McLean, who wanted us just to mention that uh, Glasgow Hearts are actually celebrating their 75th year 
hospitality for the Heart of Midlothian against Livingston game. So I really hope they have an enjoyable day. That's incredible. Uh, amount of years to get to so um, have a good one congrats on the 75th anniversary and hopefully Hearts do the business and give you three points for that one as well so that's to everyone at Glasgow Hearts from us here on Scarves Around the Funnel Um, thank you for tuning in we'll be back next week to discuss the matches against Rangers and against Livingston till then goodbye Bye-bye.